You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Welcome to a really special edition of Inflow with Soul. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and this episode is dedicated to those of you who have dedicated yourself to the roles and responsibilities of motherhood. Although I'm not a mother myself, I have a deep appreciation for the impacts mothers have on their children. I know that I was a really challenging child to raise myself. And even at a young age, I had some awareness that my behaviors were really hard on my parents, especially my mom. I was also a special education teacher and administrator for nearly 20 years. And in those roles, I witnessed the challenges that mothers often face as they do the best they can to meet the needs of their children. But I also want to say here, grandmothers, I hope that you too will feel seen and heard in this episode. I really leaned into my grandmother when my mom needed a break from me when I was growing up. And to this day, my grandma Lucille is my gold standard when it comes to creating the conditions for others to be seen and heard for who we really are and not for the hot mess that we might be presenting ourselves as. So today I'm really honored and grateful to have Bianca Harden with us today. Bianca is a psychologist that works with families, children's and adults. So whether your children are super easy to raise and may not need much from you, or if your children are struggling and may need a lot from you, this episode is all about you. So Bianca, thank you again for being with us today. You're welcome. I'm so honored to be here. Uh, Like Mary said, my name is uh, Dr. Bianca Hardin. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, and I own a therapy practice called Centered Therapy Chicago. I um, am a mom, um, as well as a psychologist, an entrepreneur, business owner, and I really enjoy working with women in my practice and supporting them in what it is that they most want for themselves. And so I do relational body-oriented feminist uh, trauma-informed therapy, and mm. I'm excited to talk to the talk about this topic of supporting moms yeah. uh, because I know that we need a lot of support and um, when we can support ourselves, we can better support the people in our lives. Absolutely. And we're definitely going to talk more about how we can support others and, and ourselves uh, later in this conversation. But I would really like to start with this uh, COVID right? We've all been through a a year plus now of COVID. And I'm curious from your perspective of what you're seeing with families, um, what has that impact been for families? 
Yeah, it's really been varied. Um, no one family has been impacted in the same way, and every family is unique. Um, it's been, uh, for some families, really difficult and, and trying. And, you know, parents are working from home and also schooling, uh, doing homeschool online. Um, that's been a real challenge. So relationships have been stressed um, for sure. Um, it's been difficult with kind of a worry of contamination and are we safe? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've never been through this before and what we're doing. And for some families, there's been opportunities for increased connection and together time. I know there are a lot of families who now have what's called COVID puppies and kittens mm-hmm. and um, who have utilized um, this opportunity to do activities together um, and connect. Um, and it's everything in between that. Um, cause it's been, you know, it's been a very stressful time and our normal routines have really been thrown out the window. And so families are coping with it in very different ways. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways there's been more exposure to stress and in some families there's increased, um, tension, um, some families, there have been decisions to part ways and other families have grown closer. So mm-hmm. for every family, it's different, um, but um, it's a change in our normal functioning. And anytime we experience a change in our normal functioning, there is stress associated with that. Right. Um, yeah. Tell me, uh, talk to me a little bit about kind of that interplay between the, the stress that the children in the family may be experiencing and the stress that the adults in the family may be experiencing. How do those pieces relate to one another? Well, I think um, they are related. Um, it's bi-directional. You know, there's a bi-directional impact of, of the stress and how people are coping in the family. So, for example, if parents are feeling stress that impacts the children. If children are feeling stress that impacts the parents. And so um, it's, I think it's really important for the parent or the parents or the caregivers to engage in as much supportive self-care as they can so that there's more of a calming regulatory environment on board for the children yeah. Um, you know, because the children are looking to the caregivers and the parent or the parents in the environment for, is this okay? Am I okay? Am I safe? What's going to happen? You know, right. and so um, there's so much uncertainty and we as humans aren't great with managing uncertainty. Um, exactly. And so it's just been really hard, um, a really hard experience for parents and for children. Um, we're all out of our routine. Mm-hmm. And there is some hope now, um, at least for me and some people I've talked to about things are starting to re- return to normalcy with, you know, baseball practices on again, people are outside, the weather's warmer, children are back in school, not everywhere, but, you know, there are a lot of children getting back to the routine. So there is some hope in this routine to return to normalcy at the same time returning to normalcy can be really stressful too. You know, how am I going to be at school again? You know, um, I'm going to school with a mask. Is it safe? I haven't engaged with other kids in a year. What is this going to be like? So I don't want there to be kind of um, an assumption that it's going to be easy. 
In fact, it can be quite difficult, even for adults, you know, going back downtown on the train or going into their office building, interacting with other humans. We're all kind of adjusting to what is this new normal? And in that adjustment, it can be anxiety provoking. Completely. Um, And as you said, too, it's being bi-directional. So as the adult is feeling the anxiety, it's it's not uncommon, right, then for the kids to also pick up on that Mm -hmm. uh, and potentially internalize some of that, right? If mom and dad don't feel safe, maybe I'm not safe either. Yeah, you know, the child is looking to the adult or adults in their life for signals of, am I okay? Is this okay? Is this safe? You know, so... Um, you're absolutely right. And it's so hard because as adults, some of us have felt really unsafe during this pandemic. Exactly. You no, know, I remember the early days of wiping down all the groceries and, you know, do I need to wear gloves and a mask to the grocery store? And is it safe to bring these products in my home? And we weren't wrong to be worried. We didn't know. Sure. Right. And so um, even now, you know, new science is coming out and new guidelines about, you know, how to keep ourselves safe. So it really is a time of uncertainty. And so how are we relating to this time of uncertainty and how do we keep ourselves safe or as safe as we can as adults? So then that's um, conveying a message to our children as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard. It's really challenging. And on top of that, so not only are we dealing with what is present, right, but we also have these core beliefs about motherhood and what it means to be a good mother. As I was preparing for this episode, I was just looking up like quotes about motherhood and memes about motherhood. And I was really struck by how many of them put motherhood on a pedestal, like you're everything. Um, and while that's not untrue, right, I, I can also see the conflict that this could put a mother in. If I'm trying to live up to the standard of being all things to my kids and I'm struggling with, I don't even know if it's safe to bring groceries into the house, it's hard to live up to that standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um there is a lot of pressure from society, a lot of messaging around what it means to be a good mother, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and in addition to that, some mothers, you know, including myself, we can also put pressure on ourselves on top of that societal pressure. And it's almost like, what does it mean to be a good mother? You know, exactly. who gets to decide? Whose definition is that? You know, I would say, for each of us mothers, why don't we come up with our own definition for what it means to be a good mother or what I like to think of as a good enough mother, okay. you know, not the perfect mother, but like a mother that is who, who do I want to be as a mother, you know, yeah. and I want to define that. And each of us can have a different definition. That's okay. Right. So when you work with clients, perhaps on coming up with a definition about how they, who they want to be as a mother, do you have some guidelines for them to, to think about and something that, that they can live up to and feel good about without feeling like I've totally abdicated my responsibilities here? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I love the question. Um, 
what is it that you want for yourself as you think about being a mother? Okay. You know, what's your heart's desire around being a mother? Mm-hmm. When you think about what a good mother is, what comes to mind for you? And there may be moms who um, enjoy hands-on experiential creative exercises who could even do some vision boarding around what that means to them. And they could create a vision board for what it, what does it mean to me to be a good mother? Mm-hmm. And so I think starting with kind of our own heart and what that means to us and, and inviting kind of a free association and imagining. And then once we have that definition, whatever that means to us, just notice like, how does that feel in my system? How does that feel to me as I think about, is that my definition? Does that feel good for me? Does that fit in with who I am and what I want? Mm -hmm. And I think trusting ourselves is important in that process. Absolutely. The other thing that I'm thinking about as I'm listening to you describe this is another, let's say challenge is that a lot of the, um, a lot of mothers are also entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we're having this conversation. Right. And so not only do we have the expectations of motherhood, we also now have expectations of myself as a businesswoman. And perhaps I'm even the, the major breadwinner for my family. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes maybe my child needs a lot from me that's pulling me away from my business and I, I feel like I'm not being the good mother that I want to be. Now I feel like I'm not showing up in either of these arenas. Mm-hmm. How do we help yeah. moms kind of navigate that space? Yeah, well, it sounds like a no-win situation in some ways when, it, when a mother is feeling that way. Like, I can't be who I want to be at work and I can't, feel, I can't be who I want to be at home. Oh, I'm just feeling like compassion for that experience. And, you know, to be real, um, you know, I've felt that way before too. It's like how, how to be the best in all the environments. And then there's this way we can put unrealistic expectations on ourselves, yeah. right? To, that we can do it all, which is actually not true. We can't do it all. Yeah. And yeah. what is... I would ask that same question, you know, thinking about yourself as a, what some people call a mompreneur, you know, um, (laughs) um, what is it that I'm wanting for myself around being a mompreneur? You know, um, what feels right to me? Um, What led me to becoming an entrepreneur? What did I want for myself and my life and my business? you know, what led me to becoming a mother and what did I want for myself in my life as a mom? You know, and many on entrepreneurs or mom, mom, preneurs, it's hard to say, say it three times. Right. Um, they decided to do that because they wanted more freedom and balance in their life. They wanted to be their own boss they wanted more flexibility of their schedule, more free, you know, free time, whatever that is. Um, and what happened was they're noticing maybe that's not happening the way I had intended or I got away from that intention. Right. Um, and so sometimes we stray from what we really want from ourselves because we're putting pressure on ourselves to be everything to everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Or maybe we need to be dedicating more time to our business because we are that financial supporter for the family. And free time is not a concept, right? Like I, I don't have that free time. I need to be bringing home the bacon, especially, you know, when you talked about COVID, uh, many small businesses and larger businesses were hit very hard um, with COVID. And so um, recognizing that that is a real thing and that I really need to be working more and that I can't dedicate as much time to being in the home. So kind of being real with oneself around what's going on and what are the circumstances in this situation. So I think COVID is, is a little bit hard because um, there are many small businesses that have gone out of business or at risk of going out of business. So that's a really, a real stressor for people. So um, taking that into account, having compassion for oneself around um, this is hard. Yes. This is stressful. What do I need given that my business is struggling or that it's COVID and I'm not able to be the kind of parent I want to be, you know? And so really reflecting on that. um, Okay. So this is hard. So in light of how difficult it is, how do I want to show up for myself? How do I want to show up for my business? How do I want to show up for my family? Yeah. You know, and renegotiating that based on what the circumstances are, um, you know, because I could give some sort of answer now that may not fit because it's COVID or may fit because it's COVID. But there's there are these stresses and strains now that we're all encountering when there's this time of political unrest and COVID and economic uncertainty um, that are so hard. And so I do think it's important to kind of be with whatever's coming up as we recognize the difficulty and ask ourselves, what do I need? What kind of supports do I need? What's there? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, when we're talking strictly business, and we're talking about um, spending more time in things that, that aren't really bringing us business. We talk about bringing on leverage, right? Who can we leverage out these other tasks to, to other people so that we can then focus on that 20% of those tasks that are going to bring us business back? Exactly. So how can we talk about leverage within a family system? Yeah, I love that. And I love thinking about leverage. And I love thinking about supports. Um, one thing that I think about is, um, Hey, who can help me? And if someone asks to support me, am I going to say yes? Or I'm, am I going to say, Oh no, it's okay. You don't need to help me. Right. Right? And so there is a way that we can leverage things, but also are we open to the leverage ing process, you know, and there are many very strong women I know who have a hard time accepting support. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for example, I was talking to someone and there was a loss of a parent in the family system. The friends wanted to come together and do a meal train. And they said, absolutely not. I don't want a meal train. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, that's interesting. Have you participated in a meal train before? Oh, yes. I do meal trains all the time. I make meals for other people. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So what do you think about that, that you're able to participate in a meal train and help other people and it's and you're deciding that you don't want to meal train yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, and so really unpacking our ideas about what it means to receive support yeah. and what's getting in the way of us allowing support. You know, because really, um, if you've done a meal train before, um, often it feels good to help another person. Right. You know, it's, it's, it, it's something like, oh, I can do this to support another person. And yet sometimes it's hard to receive the support. And so yeah. there's this discrepancy. And so working through whatever's getting in the way of receiving support, because that can impact the leveraging system. Completely. There may be all sorts of people wanting to come in and to support. Um, you know, I have been in a babysitting co-op before where families come together and we share um, childcare, mm-hmm. right? Um, but to be in that, I need to be open to that mechanism. I need to be open to not just providing, not just helping other people when they need childcare, but also being open to other people helping me as well. And so um, one way of thinking about it is, am I comfortable saying yes to support? Mm -hmm. And if I were comfortable saying yes to support, what kind of support would I like to receive? Right. And what kind of support is available to me in my community? And then building supportive communities. Because I do find that moms enjoy supporting other moms. Right. You know, and in a time of isolation like COVID, where we are just so alone, Mm -hmm. there have been beautiful ways that women have come together to support one another in person, masked and virtually that have just been really amazing. And so really kind of opening it up to what are the possibilities for support in my community um, and how can I take advantage of them? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that uh, I talk about with my clients when it's time to bring leverage onto the business, one of those blocks is the need to have it done my way. Oh, yeah. Right? I know my way of doing it is the right way. So how does that t- conversation translate then to parenthood? Now, again, I've, I've worked with a lot of moms who had kids with special needs, and a lot of those kids had very regimented needs that had to be served in a particular way. Fortunately, you know, not all kids are have that level of need, but the parent sometimes has this level of belief that their chil- their children need specific things and only they can deliver that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely heard that before. And um, I would respect that and be curious about what that's about you know, okay. and, you know, really unpack that. Um, Cause in, in some circumstances it is true when there are um, medical issues or special needs that, you know, there are, there's one way to sure. deliver. Sure. Um, and sometimes it's more of a desire for the parent to, um, there's something going on with the parent where it's hard for them to allow care in or allow another person to do something or 
um, allow something to be done in a way that's not the way they do it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And so really teasing that out, and there's not a one answer meets all situation, but I, I say, let's be curious about it okay. and um, wonder what is that about? And what happens as we think about allowing support in and what would be maybe a little, just a little bit of support that would be okay. Like experimenting with that. I like the word experiment because it sounds like more fun. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't sound permanent. It sounds like, you know what, this is just an experiment. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work out, we're scrapping it, you know? And so if there's a parent who has a hard time trusting another um, caregiver coming in, Mm -hmm. maybe experiment with doing it for 30 minutes. Do you know what I mean? Not an overnight, Mm -hmm. you know, but like what, what, or having um, what I've heard call a mommy's helper come in and support um, childcare while the mom is there, you know, does that feel okay? You know? And so just like titrating exposure, adding a little bit more, um, to the support mechanism, you know, um, some people I've heard some people say, um, you know, I, I don't want any support in the home. Okay. Well, what if you experimented with just a little bit of support? If you were, what would, might be okay, okay. you know, um, and just see what that idea about is like testing something out to see if it would feel supportive because right. it may not. Absolutely. Right. You know, it, yeah, d- it doesn't do much good to have a caregiver come in, stay with your kids. You're going out to, be, to take care of yourself, right? Do some self-care. But if your mind is completely back at the house with the kids all the time, you're not really in self-care exactly. or, or where you want it to be, right? Yeah. And it can be really hard to leave your children with someone, you know, who you don't know or who's not a family member or sometimes even with a family member. Sure. Right. And so like, Um, doing these little experiments about like, I'm not going to go all the way downtown. Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk to, you know, the coffee shop in my neighborhood. So if they need me, you know, I'm a short walk from home. Okay. Okay, Like that one. Okay. So let me experiment with, you know, going a mile away or downtown, you know, and so just kind of testing it out um, and seeing what's right for your own system and your family system around that, I think is important. I love that. It's a nice way to ease into it. Exactly. Exactly. It's so much um, better for our nervous systems and just, you know, like our comfort level. Like, I don't know about you, but when I go to the beach, I walk in slowly, you know, the water is cold. Yeah. I don't go running in. Mm -hmm. I don't do a cannon bomb off of the um, cannonball off of the pier. Like I like just gently exposing myself and getting used to it. And to me, that works for me. Other people, you know, other things may work for other people, but I think it's like, what is right for me? Um, Yeah. Now we've talked a lot about allowing uh, help that has been offered to us. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes within our own houses, we're not asking for the help that we want or need. Now, yes. part of that sometimes I think comes from us not knowing what we want. Yeah. Right. Cause if I don't know what I want, I, how can I ask somebody 
to fill that need for me or to help me fill that need. Um, and sometimes I think we're hoping that someone else around us will figure out what I want, <laughs> right? And yeah. magically give that to me so that I'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. um, so going back then to how, what, what are some strategies maybe to even think about what is it that I want? Because before I can ask for it, I have to know what I'm asking for. Is that true or yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it would be nice if people read our minds and knew what we wanted and needed and gave it to us, but we know that's that's just not true. And I like how you identified sometimes we don't ask because we don't know. Sometimes we don't ask because we don't feel like we have the right to ask or we don't deserve to ask or deserve exactly. to be supported or helped or loved, you know? So there's so many complicated reasons why we either may not know, or we may not feel comfortable asking. And yeah. so um, there are so many reasons uh, that could have led to us maybe not knowing what our own needs are or not feeling comfortable. Um, but I do think it's um, an important exercise to be, come reconnected with our wants, our desires, our feelings, like reconnected to that part of us that is so wise and knowing, you know? And so um, I believe um, an important way of doing that is just being curious, having non-judgmental curiosity about, hmm, what's happening for me now? You know, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm feeling angry you know, or resentful or hmm, why is that? You know, so starting really to like sense into what's happening, what are my feelings? And when you begin with this, you might say, I don't have any feelings. I feel like a blank slate Mm -hmm. and and just notice, oh, I'm feeling blank. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I like to do is um, in the morning, I have a routine where I do a gratitude list, like Um, what am I grateful for? And I just free write, you know, for a minute or two, it doesn't take too long. And then I think about my intention for the day. What is it that I want for myself today? Um, So I do that. And so really asking that question, what is it that I want? What do I like? And I, um, I really enjoyed um, when my son was younger, because he'd always say, what's your favorite dot, dot, dot. He'd always want to know what my favorite anything was. And okay. I didn't know. I wow. did know my favorite color was purple, but I didn't often think about what's my favorite song, my favorite movie, my favorite book, you know, and it was so much joy in him. Like he knew what his was. Okay. Right. He had access to that. For me, I was like, I'm not really sure. And so I just started thinking about like, what is it that I like? What do I not like? Um, and just allowing that curiosity and that experimentation online around whether it be colors or foods or songs, music, clothing. Um, and so as I did that on a regular basis and it became a practice of me re- really wanting to know what I want for myself, mm-hmm. I became more in touch with the answers to those questions. It just took some time. Yeah. You know, because I'm someone who's very curious about what other people want. I want to find the right gift. I want to make them their favorite meal. I'm a therapist, so I want to hear their story. I'm a good listener. And um, when you're um, like that, 
you're really used to asking questions of others and maybe not used to talking as much about yourself and what you want. And not a lot of people ask me because I'm so busy asking them. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like I exactly it's a way of shifting attention off of myself onto the other person and you know, really caretaking. Mm-hmm. And um what I what I'm working on is caretaking myself, right? Okay. And like asking myself that question and being curious. And still I'm curious about other people. So it's not like right. when you know they're not in competition. <laughs> Exactly. Right. I don't have to give up caring about other people to care about myself. No, like I can care for myself and do TLC to myself and still be caring to other people. It's not like there's a, um, you know, we have to ration that out. There's a limited capacity. And in fact, I find that the more I care for myself and am tender and forgiving and compassionate and curious, the more energy I actually have when I'm with other people too. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. I feel more replenished. Mm. That word doesn't get used often enough. (laughs) It's a good one. (laughs) It is a good word. Yeah. To be replenished. It just feels full and fresh and. um, Yeah. yeah. Alive or growing or something like that. Yeah. So you mentioned time and some of the activities that you do. Um, again, what do you tell mothers who say, that's great, but I don't have time for that. I'm running a business over here. I've got these kids over here. I've got a spouse here. I am i don't have time for me. Yeah, I hear that all the time. And um, I've also been someone saying that sort of thing, you know, sure. so <laughs> um well, I, I really um, respect um, them saying, you know, um, that they don't have a lot of time and, and understand that um, things are really busy. And so I do believe that a mindfulness practice is something that you don't need a lot of time for because mindfulness in, a, in essence is being present in the present moment. And so you can be mindful as you're tending to your job and tending to your children and you're at the gym. And what often happens is people disconnect from themselves and they are in a busy mode where they're not really connected to their internal experience and um, kind of, um, I like to think of it as like the rat, you know, in the rat race and that wheel, um, but not connected. And so there's a way you can be with your children or be with your job and not be present. And so Clearly. I think like a first step is just noticing where your attention is and um, how am I doing in this moment as I'm doing X, Y, and Z, right? Um, and so one distracting thing that many of us do is um, we scroll on social media, like Insta, TikTok, Facebook, um, watch the news. And so um, I have a little thing on my um, iPhone that tells me how much time I'm spending on those things. And I think like, if I don't have a lot of time, but I'm on these, these um, distracting um, mechanisms that aren't often fueling me, sometimes they do. So where can you find those micro moments of time, like rather than waking up and looking at your phone for the news or social media? Could you spend a moment with yourself, even one minute 
makes a big difference. So my morning routine is, um, my dog wakes me up at the crack of dawn, mm-hmm. um, which is very early. And um, I'm the morning dog walker. And so okay. what I do is instead of putting in earbuds, I just don't have earbuds in and I walk the dog. We do a long walk, like 40 to 50 minutes, but I just listen to nature. I look at the trees, the flowers, the birds, and I just let my mind roam. And I call that, I didn't make this up, but it's walking meditation, walking mindfulness. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's very peaceful for me. It's um, no one's up. I mean, there's hardly anyone up. It's very quiet. And then I come home and um, I have um, an app called the Insight Timer. And I do, um, you know, anywhere between a three and 10 minute meditation on that. And then I sit down and I do my gratitude list, my intention. And that's kind of my morning routine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you took the dog walking out, you know, I think that could be contained in less than 10 minutes, you know? Right, right. Um, and so 10 minutes in the scope of, you know, the 24 hour day really isn't a lot. And I think of it as an investment in myself. Yeah. And I find that my energy is so much better when I do that versus if I go to Facebook or the news or something like that. So Absolutely. for me, it's an intentionality thing. Where do I want to be spending my time and energy and where we put our energy grows, right? Right. Um, so where we focus grows. And so for me, I've needed to limit some of my exposure to the news and social media because I'm noticing I'm a sensitive person. I have a big heart and a big heart for social justice. And, um, and so um, it's important for me to be informed, but I don't need to be as informed as I was being because sure. I was watching, you know, when you get the reruns, you know, and you know the story and you're just watching it again and again, which I do, did, um, I, have a, I can lean into that. Um, I also want to be mindful of my need to know and be informed and also my need to be present and connected with myself. And so how do I balance that? And what does that mean for me? Yeah. You know, and I have some friends who get their news only through reading and they don't have the imagery because that's better for them and their systems. Right. Okay. Some people do, you know, a certain like BBC or a certain channel that's less, um, uh, is more straightforward. Exactly. More straightforward. Do you know what I mean? And less polarizing, you know, so that they're getting the information from a reputable source, but it's not a lot of the commentary around. Right. It. So, right. You know, what's right for you, you know, um, is really the question. Yeah. So the I time think, is like back to the time, like yeah. it can be just a few minutes. Okay. Right. Um, and it can just be something you check in with yourself during the day while you're already doing your other activities. Oh, like I'm doing, um, for my business, I'm doing this report. Is this life giving or life draining? If it's life draining, is there someone I can delegate it to? Back to leverage, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think the last thing that I want to talk about on self-care that has come up for me as I was listening to you is that um, sense of deserving it. Um, do I deserve to give myself this time? Now, I think our heads, like logically, most of us would say, yeah, of course I do. But 
there also seems to be a, a willingness to give it away pretty quickly, to give that time away pretty quickly, especially yeah. if other needs come up. What could we, what would you say to a woman who say, who may even be willing to say, look, I don't deserve this because I have to get all of this stuff done, right? We're going to make this about a task. I'm going to yeah. deflect over here. This is more important than I am at this moment. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, what do you want for yourself? And, um, if they say, I would like to have more self-care, I would like to have a better relationship with myself. I would like to have more free time. Right. Okay. And then I would say, okay, so it, it sounds like you would like to have a better relationship with yourself and take better care of yourself. What's getting in the way of that and really understanding the barriers to that. And then um, practically speaking, I think I'm into calendaring. So making that commitment to, you know, scheduling that appointment with oneself around certain things like okay. scheduling the time at the gym or a walk or um, at the salon or kid time or partner time, you know, so I think putting it in the calendar so that it, it, it has equal weighting to the other things that are already in your calendar. Right. Um, I think is really important. Um, and so that makes it a commitment to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I remember going to a self-care presentation a long time ago and the speaker said, when you're saying yes to other people, you're saying no to yourself. And so when you say yes to volunteering and doing all the stuff, and I like volunteering, so I'm not sending a message not to do that. So I would say, um, be thoughtful before you say yes, because when you say yes, you could be saying no to yourself. Because some of us say yes to opportunities that we really don't want to do, but we're telling ourselves we should do. And so we're not exactly. going into it wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, I know people um, have read that book, um, that organizing book about you look at something and you're like, does this bring me joy? Right. You know, so it's yeah. like you could evaluate, like, does this opportunity bring me joy? Is it life giving or life draining? Am I going to dread going to it or is it going to fuel me? Because I know I've certainly volunteered and done all sorts of things. And I feel like I'm on fire afterwards. I'm so excited. I feel connected to the people, to the mission, to the purpose. And then there are other times where I'm like, why did I sign up for this? I don't want to do this, you know, and I feel like a zombie afterwards. So really, instead of saying yes, say, I'll think about it. Let me get back to you. And then you can take that space, not in the pressure of that, like immediate right. <laughs> relationship right. to really think about, do I want to say yes or no? And then you can come back with your authentic answer. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a little hack around like not saying yes, not saying no, but saying, let me get back to you. You know, let Beautiful. me check the family calendar. Let me check my calendar. Let me check in with myself Right. You know, if you really want to be honest, like I, I let me check in with myself and see if that's really what I want to be doing or how I want to spend my time, you know, and then you come back with this capital Y-E-S, right? Yeah. And that even feels better rather Absolutely. than the pressured yes, because you want to please someone or you think you should say yes. 
Um, or you say, I'm not able to do it at this time. You know, if something else comes up, please circle back to me. Beautiful. What a great way to respond in a way that fits your own needs, right? Without yeah. having to, what is this other person needing from me? And what are they going to think if I say no? Or yeah, all of the, that, that uh, chatter that goes on when we're stuck in that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this has really been a very wonderful conversation. And, and I'm just curious from your perspective, has there been, has any topics popped up that you wish I would have asked you about today? Oh my goodness. What a great question. Um, you know, this is a topic I love, so I could just keep talking about all sorts of things. Um, I think that, um, you know, as a mom and an entrepreneur, um, you know, there's so many pressures, um, that we face and, um, there's so many cultural pressures that we're facing and societal pressures and, there's so many things that are um, difficult to manage. And I love the idea of how can we could better support ourselves in light of all of the challenges, you know, whether they be um, economic challenges, social justice, racial challenges, COVID challenges, um, the gender challenges of what we're told, who we should be as women, what we should look like, how we should act, how we should talk. So I, I really like all of those, um, those categories, but I know we have such a limited <laughs> amount of time yeah, to chat. Right. So it's been really great talking with you too. And I mean, I'm going to keep thinking about this conversation after we're done for sure. Wonderful. Well, Bianca, before we go then, can you just tell the listeners again, where they could find you if they have more questions? Sure. Um, my practice is called Centered Therapy Chicago. Um, we have a website. And in the website, there is a contact us button that they can um, send an email to. And it's ctc at centeredtherapychicago.com. Wonderful. And uh, we'll put links up where we can for that uh, for the listeners. And I, I am so grateful for the time that you have shared with us and your input and, and your heart today. Thank you. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. It's been nice being with you as well. All right. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.